Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code presson25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Presson Falsies. This is the Frey Podcast, brought to you by thefrey.com, a place for women who want more from life. Today's podcast is a solo episode and it's one I have wanted to record for a little while now, but I wanted to be really clear on my intention for recording this episode. And for me, it's quite simple. It's that I really enjoy hearing from other people when they have their own realizations about certain things that they wish were different for them or that they wish they would do differently. So this episode is kind of about reflecting on things I have learned now that there's a bit of distance from coming out of a long-term relationship and things that I have learned just through my own, I guess, exploration into why I am the way I am and why I choose certain people. And so quite simply, the intention for this episode is just to share with you things that, I don't know, stand out to me as lessons. And I love hearing other people's lessons and other people's thoughts on hindsight from experiences that they've been through. So that's what this episode is all about. I have written down some reflections, as I mentioned, and these are just things that I'll certainly do going forward in a relationship and things that you know, if I could turn back time, if I could go back five years, six years, I would grab past Kylie by her little shoulders and shake her and say, hey, pay attention, pay attention to these. So that's the other part of my intention for this episode is maybe this will be helpful for you to go, oh my gosh, let's really grab onto those threads before we get to a point where we're actually consider considering separating. These are the things that upon reflection, I think would have been helpful for me to really take on board. And the first one is the importance of freedom and independence in a relationship. I remember hearing in another podcast, I think it was an armchair expert one, um, which is hosted by one of my boyfriends, Dax Shepherds, but um in in a conversation that was happening on that podcast, they were speaking about how they have observed that with divorced couples, when they are co-parenting and the parent gets a break, you know, one parent gets a break, just the difference that makes for those individuals. So when you're together all the time and you're doing the family thing all the time and you're kind of tagging in and tagging out, 
it, it can feel like a lot. But when you're co-parenting and you do have that space to really tag out for 24 hours, 48 hours, sometimes longer as your kids get older or depending on your lifestyle dynamic. But when you really get to tag out and take off the mum hat or take off the dad hat, the freedom that that affords you as an individual is so refreshing. And that ability to recharge and feel refreshed makes you feel like an individual, independent person again. And I think that's what's missing from a lot of long-term relationships because you start to lose yourself and you're wearing so many different hats. You've got the identity as either mum or dad, partner, wife, whatever it is, and you kind of just start to forget about nourishing yourself as an individual first and foremost And it makes sense, of course. Of course you forget to do that because you're so busy doing everything else. But in the co-parenting dynamic, when you are actually kind of handing over and signing off from being a parent, what that can do to you in terms of kind of injecting a little bit of life force into you wouldn't it be amazing if we can if we could do that, if it was normal to do that in a long-term relationship and that's basically the conversation I remember hearing it was probably years ago now in this podcast and they were just sort of wondering like what if people injected that co-parenting dynamic into a long-term relationship how would that impact the relationship between mum and dad between husband and wife or wife and wife and husband and husband whatever it is and it really stuck with me It really, really stuck with me because going through a separation and then having that space from the kids to again take the parenting hat off, which sometimes is so painful and so heartbreaking to do and so confusing. But sometimes when you do take that parenting hat off and, you know, you meet someone else and you realize that you've got all of this energy and zest for someone else. And of course, there's limerence, which we're going to discuss, but you sort of realize, ah, no wonder my long-term relationship was lacking because I wasn't this person. I wasn't bringing this version of me to the relationship because I'm tapped out and I'm exhausted. So my first point is freedom and independence whilst in a relationship is so important. And there are going to be seasons of your life when it's not super, super possible. When you've got young babies, when you've got a partner that works away, when you're juggling all of the things, it's not always easy to feel that sense of freedom and independence. But I do think if it's a priority, perhaps there are clever ways to come at it. You know, whether it's looking at your schedule and going, okay, this month, I'm going to have a freedom, freedom day, freedom weekend, free time on this date. And your partner is going to take full 100% ownership of whatever's happening with your child or your children. And then next month, they do that. So just really working out a reciprocal roster, a rotation where you can do that. Or maybe it's you know, the parents are going to the grandkids and you're both going to separate and go and do something as individuals. Because I think when we have the opportunity to get a breather from kids, you know, your first thought is, oh, let's go do something together. But I I think that it would be really nice to have for people, not everyone, but for some people to have more time apart as individuals to nourish themselves and their own interests and have that bit of space from their partner to then be able to come back together 
to come back together and then you've created that feeling of missing each other. You've created um, independence, which is so attractive. It's so attractive when your partner feels so much more independent and they're looking after themselves. So scheduling some freedom days, some freedom times, but it's really important that this is done with no guilt. You know, if you're going to do it, don't feel bad about it. Don't feel bad about planning a weekend with your girlfriends or taking half a day a week or a full day a month or whatever it is just for you because then it it's not going to work. It's not going to work if you're spending the whole time worrying and berating yourself. You've got to just embrace it and throw yourself into it. And I think that's why the the framing of going, imagine if you were co-parenting is helpful because if you were co-parenting, your partner would be taking 100% over your child or children if that makes sense so you don't really have that micromanaging thing going on you're you're fully allowing yourself to have that space and distance and also resentment needs to be spoken about here because if you're if you sit down and have this conversation with your partner and they kind of begrudgingly agree but you can feel resentment simmering under the surface you know they're resentful that you want that time to yourself or you're resentful of them if they're going to take it that's dangerous so you've got to really really be clear on okay I'm going to do this but I'm not doing it with guilt and also if resentment is coming up addressing the actual root cause because resentment is just a symptom what's the actual root cause here and speaking of root causes that brings me to my next point which is please learn your attachment style and your partner's attachment style. I feel like love languages are more commonly spoken about than attachment styles. And I'm all for the love language concept. If you're not across it, it is a concept by Dr. Gary Chapman, who I have interviewed, and he was so charming. He has this like Southern drawl, and I just wanted to keep talking to him. Um, but Dr. Gary Chapman has this theory, this concept about how as individuals, we all have five love languages. I won't go super into it, but there's acts of service, quality time, gifts, word of affirmation, words of affirmation, and physical touch. And basically, he believes that we all have a unique or primary love language. And if we don't understand what our partner's primary love language is, that's when problems can arise, such as, say, for example, the way you give and receive, the way you feel loved is through quality time, but the way your partner feels loved is through words of affirmation. You're not speaking the same language, so problems could arise where one feels not seen, not understood, not loved, not valued. So you can have a like have a Google of the love languages. You can also do an online test and find out what yours are if you don't know off the top of your head and listen to my past episode. So love languages are popular. They're common. You can work them out for your kids as well. But what I think is probably more important or equally important but needs more weight is understanding your attachment style. So I have done an episode on this in the past with Dr. Sarah Ashton. You can have a listen to that. You can also find books on attachment theory, lots of free resources as well. But just understanding the way you attach to someone who is important to you will give you so much insight into the way you come at things. 
the way you um, deal with conflict, the way you communicate and understanding your partner's attachment style is such an unlock into having empathy and understanding and more connection towards why they are the way they are. And as someone who has been in a long-term relationship um, with someone that I would consider to be anxiously attached and then in a shorter-term relationship with someone who like from the beginning identifies as avoidant, knowing those styles is really, really helpful because we essentially need our partners to give us a manual on how to love them. And if you have that intel about their attachment theory, it just makes so much more sense because if they're avoidant, they're more likely to perhaps want to exit a confrontation to not want to communicate with it and if you're anxious that's going to feel like it cuts so deep like you're going to feel so rejected by that and an avoidant will be moving further away and then you're kind of chasing them trying to get closer and so that's one thing that if I could go back in time I would say hey Kylie learn learn attachment styles understand them because it's going to be so helpful in your long-term relationship and then in any other subsequent ones as well. So that is another hot tip. Oh, and I will just add to that and say, remind each other. Remind each other of your own attachment style frequently because we all get in our own heads. We all get caught up in our own way of thinking, but actually having your partner turn around and say, hey, I just want to remind you, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I just have this avoidant attachment thing and that's why I am the way I am. Like remind each other. And of course, we can all strive towards secure attachment, as Dr. Sarah spoke about in my conversation with her. But also, in a lot of the reading that I've been doing on attachment theory, it's far less about trying to mold yourself to be something else. You know, it's, it's less about trying to move towards secure attachment, although, of course, that can be a goal versus just accepting where you are and coming up with strategies to support the way that you feel, if that makes sense. Okay, next up. (laughs) Um, The grass is not always greener. I literally said this yesterday to a mum friend of mine because she was saying, oh, it's so exciting that you're going out on dates and you're getting to do da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. And sometimes it really does feel exciting, but it's that whole the grass is always greener thing. Because yes, while from the outside looking in from someone who's been in a long-term relationship, it could be exciting and a little bit whatever, you know, to think about someone getting ready and going on dates and meeting different people. Like I said to her, but people that are dating are out there trying to find what you have. Like they're out there trying to find a person. Like you've got your person and you just forget. <laughs> you just forget. And it's such a human thing to romanticize what's happening for other people versus really romanticize what you have and to compare the differences. And I guess what I mean by that is, you know, when you are single, you yes get the fun side of meeting new people and the rush of limerence and the thrill of a new relationship and the excitement and the fresh chance and all of that stuff but you also don't have the stability 
of a person who has seen you at your worst and who wants to support you and who loves you and who wants to do the boring things with you you know like you've you've moved through limerence which is kind of sad like it's sad to move through that limerence phase and lose the passion but what you have is something else and that's why I spoke about this book The Course in Love in the last episode of the podcast it's written by Alan DeBotton and he talks about this so beautifully like this book is just one of those books that I want to give absolutely everyone whoever thinks that they will be in a relationship again because he talks about how we're kind of sold this idea, this notion that love is in the furtive glances and the flirting and the endorphin rush and the lust. But love is the enduring stuff. Love is the choices. It's showing up for someone. It's that stability. It is the boring stuff. It's the mundane. It's seeing all of each other's flaws and all of that stuff and continuing to move forward. And in this book, there's a part where he says, you know, this couple realized they were only ready for marriage after they'd been married for 16 years. And there's just something about that part of the story, like read the book, guys, but there was something about that part. of. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The story that I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it now. The course of love involves a lot of that mundane stuff. And so I guess I wanted to include this point about the grass not always being greener because when women are reaching out to me on social media, I think that sometimes that they are looking for that confirmation of life on the other side of this jump is so good, queen, like do it, like make the break, jump. And I just can't give that to them because I don't feel that way. I I genuinely don't feel that way. Yes, I am happy. And yes, I think that, um, you know, I will probably go on to meet someone who is more suited to who I am now. But there's still a huge part of me that, you know, I mean, I'm recording this podcast. and I'm saying to you, if I could go back in time, this is what I wish I knew and understood. And I wish the person I was in a relationship with knew and understood. I wish we were both across it. I wish everyone was across it. Um, But yeah, that it's so cliche. The grass isn't always greener and the grass is green where you water it. So rather than focusing on what you don't have, and this goes both ways, you know, and it's something I have to remind myself of as well, because I can find myself kind of romanticizing being in a relationship and missing that so much. And I have to remind myself of the comparison and how important it is that I just focus on my own situation and doing the best for what I've got. And it's the same when you're in a relationship, hitting the eject button might not be the answer because you might find yourself in a similar situation unless you do the work and so doing the work whether you do that as an individual who are separated or you do that work together as a couple or even individually in the relationship 
I think is important. It's so important to kind of exhaust all avenues and really feel as though you really tried before making that decision. Next up, the other person, the person you're in relationship with cannot be everything to you. Esther Perel speaks about this. If you're not across her work, Google her. She has amazing TED Talks. She has podcasts. She's a woman I so admire and I've listened to so much of her stuff. And I just want to credit her because, yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for the work she's doing. But it's so important to understand that the other person can't be everything to you. And I feel as though in the last like 20 years, maybe even the last 10 years with social media in particular, with people sharing so much of their relationship, there's so much energy around, this is my everything. This person completes me. This person is my best friend. You know, this person is my business partner. Like, Like, this person is, you know, the world that I rotate around, basically, or the sun. Like, you know, this person is everything to me. And that's, a you know, it's an incredibly romantic idea. But when it comes to long-term sustainability, One of the things that I have learned the most is I cannot be everything to one person. I have felt that. I have felt that pressure. I have lived that dynamic and it was too much. It was too isolating. It was too much pressure and I couldn't do it. And it's not a fair thing for someone to ask you to do and be everything for them. I really value now, like when I'm looking forward to being in a relationship again, one of the things that is most important to me is that that person that I am going to be with has their own stuff going on. They have strong family bonds. They have strong friendships. They have strong interests. They have a purpose. They have, you know, for lack of a, <laughs> a better term, I don't know, it sounds so wanky, but like purpose and mission, I think is really important. Like they know what they're here to do. And that's, really really attractive and it's really really important to me that the person I'm with doesn't make me super central to their happiness like I want to just be like a nice addition like yep you know I'm good on my own but here's this other person who's great as well and we can do life side by side but we don't have to rely on the other person to make us feel okay and when I reflect now with a little bit of time and you know, I think quite a healthy (laughs) view on things. I can see why I chose the second relationship, um, which ended at the start of this year, based off my marriage. Like it was just polar opposites. And I can see that now and go, oh, of course you were drawn to that, Kylie. Like you just wanted something so extremely different. Like you didn't want to be needed. And then that came with its whole, like a whole other set of problems as well. But basically what I'm saying is it's so important your partner, as I've said 5,000 times now, has their own life, but it's also really important that you do too. It's important that you're not looking towards your partner to be everything for you. And Esther Perel speaks about this and she says, you know, however many years ago, like 100 years ago, you you know, religion was more important and the village was more important and you had other relationships that were central and integral to your well-being, whereas now it seems to be more like you expect your partner to be your confidant, your lover, your inspiration, your um, life coach, like 
co-parent, like all of these things, you're expecting so much from them and it's too much. So just making sure that you do have your own friends, you have your own interests, you have your own um, thoughts and feelings and experiences and then you can bring that to the relationship as well, which is so important. And that leads me to my next point is, you know, relationships need desire I think I think there needs to be a level of desire and one of the only ways you can keep desire is by having a little bit of mystery and a little bit of distance and so having that person or yourself have other interests it puts a bit of distance between you and your partner for them to allow to keep seeing you as an individual which is so attractive and that brings desire to the relationship and that's why limerence is such a fun time when you are first meeting someone and limerence is that stage maybe I should google the exact definition of it but from what I understand limerence is that stage when you first meet someone and there's all of the dopamine and the endorphins rushing between you and that can't get enough of you type of energy which is just the best but it's not love and people sometimes confuse limerence with love And I think that it's just a natural thing that that fades out and dies off as you kind of move towards having a longer term partnership. But one of the key components I imagine for limerence is there is that mystery, that distance, that desire. And so perhaps when you are in a long term relationship, just really thinking, oh, how can we bring a little bit of that? just a little bit of it. You're never going to get the whole thing back, but how can we keep a little bit of that alive? And, you know, part of that is knowing that you don't always know everything about your partner. And that's a mistake that a lot of us make is we get really comfortable and we get really familiar and we think we know everything about the other person and we stop being curious. You stop asking them questions, but we are all always changing always changing so what you imagine your partner might be thinking and feeling about a certain topic might not actually be what they are thinking and feeling because time has passed and experiences have changed them so staying curious about your person asking them questions having conversations and I think again you know so many of these things I'm talking about are all interconnected because if you have distance and desire and a little bit of mystery and a little bit of independence then you've got things to talk about and same if you've got a life outside of each other you know you've got things to discuss at the end of the day at the end of the week which might pique your curiosity and remind you that you don't know every single corner of your partner's mind and again then that mystery that not knowing sparks a little bit more affection or desire okay and last but not least Take responsibility for what you wish your partner was bringing to the relationship. It's very easy in a relationship to point the finger outwards and to project and blame and resent someone for not bringing something to the relationship that you wish that they would. Firstly, the person you're in relationship with is not a mind reader. So do them a solid and communicate clearly with them what you need what you want what you're desiring but also take responsibility so what I mean by that is 
if you are hoping to outsource the responsibility to your partner to bring something into the relationship, just notice that. And then notice or think up ways that you yourself can bring that to the relationship. What I mean by this is you might be really, really frustrated that your partner is not spontaneous. And so you're just simmering away. You're getting resentful that they're not spontaneous, that they're boring and they're predictable and da, 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 and all of these things. And you're just projecting what you want onto them, expecting them to do it. And it's not very fair. So if you notice, and again, because when we're in relationships, we've got this opportunity to have this mirror. It's such a great, great chance to grow. They can mirror things back to you. But if you notice, oh, I'm really, really annoyed. I'm really resentful. I'm angry. I'm bothered. Whatever it is, that's probably a really great indicator that it's time for you to step up and bring that to the relationship. Take responsibility. Own it. Own it so that you don't have resentments fester. So specifically, if it is spontaneity, do something spontaneous. Be the one to do it. You bring it to the table rather than trying to outsource it all the time. And I think that that's just a really, really important thing for all relationships, but definitely for your romantic relationship. Because when we are focusing on what they're not bringing to the table, then we're missing the things that they are. And it's really important to appreciate and be grateful for the things that they do bring into the relationship that you perhaps just aren't noticing anymore. And then if you are the one to take ownership and responsibility and bring into the partnership what you want more of, that then gives them a chance to observe and appreciate and be grateful for the things you're doing as well. And the last thing I will leave in this episode is, again, borrowed from Esther Perel, but I've heard her speak about how our relationship is the space between two people. And so in my mind, when I think of that, it's this space that two people need to be making contributions to all the time. And it's not going to be exactly 50-50 but two people over the space of time are making contributions to that space. And so when I think of that, these reflections come to mind to me that, you know, if I could go back, these are the things I would do differently. And of course I can't go back, but moving forward, these are the things I'll be taking into a relationship. And, you know, when I say if I could go back and do things differently, I'm not saying that I didn't do these things. These are just the things that I understand are really, really important now having had a bit of distance and time to reflect. So I hope, like I hope that these are helpful and and that they make sense for someone out there. If you are in a relationship, I hope you can reflect on these questions or reflect on these thoughts and see how you feel about them and what you can do to bring those into your partnership if they make sense for you. And if you're not in a relationship, these are great things to think about for the next one, you know, as well. And that's why I think going through a divorce or a breakup in a long-term relationship can really be a gift to the next romantic relationship you have if you take the time and space to really understand, understand the way you showed up in the past, understand the way your partner showed up, understand the things that contributed to it not working out, because it would be a shame, I think, to just rush into something else without taking the time to really reflect and grow and do things differently. And 
that's important to me. It's not going to be important for everyone. Of course, there are going to be people who just prefer to sort of monkey from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next. And that's no shade because they could be working things out on their own as well because there are certain things that you can really only work out in relationship when you have that mirror, when you have that trigger. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I just think that we're all here to grow and we're all here to learn. And wow, going through a breakup is such an invitation to learn. It really, really is as painful as it can be. So again, I hope this is helpful. When I posted about doing this episode in the Frey private Facebook, it is private, yeah, Facebook group, um, the feedback that I got from women over there was that they prefer solo episodes. So that's really helpful for me to know. Really, really helpful. If you can take a screenshot of this episode, if you enjoyed it and put it on your Instagram stories and tag me, that is giving me um, some knowledge as well that you enjoy this style and so I can make space to record more like this. And I hope that you have a really, really great week ahead and I will chat with you soon. If you're not part of the Facebook group, come on over and join us. This is what I want. This is what I need. Don't have to go, I can set you free Are you gonna make a move? Are you gonna come and see? Whatever you wanna do, you know what's cool with me Whisper in the dark, whispers in the dark You come to play, don't you? Looking for something new I got a lot underneath, tricks up my softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.